got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start this week's episode, y'all know I just came out with my coloring book and I am giving one away to one lucky professional homegirl. So the first person to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com will receive it. So please make sure to put in the subject line free PhD coloring book. I'm telling y'all the reviews have been amazing and I am so excited about it. So don't miss out on this wonderful, lovely opportunity. <laughs> Enjoy this week's episode and until next time everyone later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirls, it's the kid Ebene from the PSG podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PSG podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the professional homegirl and at the PhD podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PhD podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD podcast Patreon account. 
To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PSG podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So I'm super excited about this week's episode because it is with my friend from middle school, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so I was up one night going down a rabbit hole on Instagram, child, and I came across a video of a woman showing that her husband left her after 18 years together, and he cleaned up their apartment that they shared together. So initially, I thought, like, oh, shit, like, niggas ain't shit. But then when I saw your picture in the story... I was like, oh, that's so-and-so. So before we get into everything, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. You sure? You sound, you sound like you're a little hesitant. Well, <laughs> well one, I'm sitting, um, I came into my room and closed the door. Uh, the the um, lawnmower outside is annoying me. Um, and I hesitate to say I'm okay because, you know, it's up and down. It's like some days. Well, let's start with a little icebreaker. So I feel like we haven't talked in forever. (laughs) (laughs) So do you remember us being in school together? Yeah. Okay, so what do you remember about me? And I'll tell you what I remember about you. Um, I remember you being animated. I remember you um, not being afraid to speak your mind. I think you and Harrison were really close. Mm -hmm. Um... And we still I are. You, okay. I remember that you were smart. Um, and you kind of always been a go-getter. You and Harrison had the trait, the trait of light, like both of y'all are go-getters. So I remember you being confident in yourself. I remember you being sexy, too. Like, I always felt like, remember we used to always sing Tony Braxton? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that funny? <laughs> like, I always felt like you were just like, so sexy and like very like sultry. You used to always see Tony Braxton. And I also felt like looking back now that you were a lot older than us mentally. Uh, yeah, my I think I've always had a little, little grandmama spirit. Mm-hmm. But I can only imagine the emotions you've been feeling these past couple of days, especially since your story went viral. Did you expect your story to go viral like you did? Man, and- when I shared this, um, my video, I had a hundred five, so I know where I thought it was going to go viral. Mm. <laughs> so, so when I you started like, seeing it going viral, like, what did you do, or what were you thinking? Uh, my initial thought was, oh, shit. And then I was like, I, I don't know. I like all the comments. People, some people are, like, really, really rude. Like, all comments, I made the mistake of the first day probably reading way too many negative comments. But after mm. that, I just kind of all, like, all shit it. I shit it all down. Yeah, because I was reading some of the comments, and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, you are really receiving a lot of reactions. And it was just not on Instagram. It was on TikTok, Facebook. Yeah, that's why I shared it on TikTok. So at the time um, when I uploaded the video, I maybe had 100 followers, and I shared it, like, before going to bed. I think it was kind of like my release into the world. Then the next morning when I woke up and I saw I had like almost 10,000 comments, I was like, nah, that don't sound right. And then I saw the video had like kind of taken a life of its own and people started sharing in, in all other places like Twitter and Instagram. Like I didn't share those. I only shared on TikTok. 
And I know that a lot of women share that they were in the same exact situation or something similar like yours. So how did that make you feel hearing that? It's always comforting when you have people who like can understand where you're coming from. Then it was also kind of discouraging, right? The fact that people do this like that often. Right. Like whole families. I had uh, one lady message me like her whole like her husband left her like with you know two little kids and just her and like cleared out their their house like like whole families like are being destroyed this way I, I don't know it was um it's just mind-blowing that it happens as often as it does yeah I that's why when I saw the post I was like wait what because you've been with your husband for almost 20 years yeah so we met when we were 15 35 this year Mm-hmm. so <laughs> it sucks and like to you know to hear like his rationale to read his Facebook post like with all the like lies it's like oh man you won't even give me the truth in the very end like you'll take everything out of the party and it's still more giving the truth it's like it's mm. hurtful but I just told myself whatever he needs to tell himself to be able to sleep at night is probably what he needs to do and did you ever think that he would leave the way he did? No, I thought I was worth at least a conversation or at least a text message, right? We were texting when I was in Vegas and stuff. And if he had, you know, had a second thought or he was just like, you know, I'm not going to be here when you get here, he could at least send a text message. But to kind of just let me walk into that, that really sucked. I guess because I don't think about doing it to people, like mm-hmm. not, in, not in that way, like malicious intent just isn't my things like I believe in karma like wholeheartedly so I would have accepted at least a text message like that would have been better than just kind of walking into their blindsided I feel like I slick remember you being in a relationship with him when we were kids or am I lying you're not uh, I met him um so we met when we were nine we started dating when we were 15 like he was like my first like a real for real boyfriend like my mom like met him it's like okay everything's cool like you can date him or whatever we went like on and off in like you know um high school and stuff but then you know college and stuff eventually I thought we got it together but obviously I was mistaken yeah because I remember like you having somebody when we was growing up and I'm like I wonder if this is the same person due to the time frame yeah he's been around a long time <laughs> yeah listen my memory is, 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 is no joke I remember everything <laughs> <laughs> so I know like any other marriage y'all probably had y'all issues but were there any red flags that you overlooked oh if I'm honest which I try to be I, there's a lot of um, red flags to overlook Mm-hmm. Like, I looked over, it's crazy because I was just talking to my uh, my friend Erica, and I was talking about the things I looked up from when, even when we were younger, and my mom used to tell me uh, that he feels like he's better than you. You need to be careful with him. He feels like he's better than you. Like, our backgrounds were um, very different. He kind of grew up, like, middle class, you know. I grew up in the hood and all that good stuff. And um, like even then, like starting really early, like the way he would treat me would kind of show me that he kind of felt that he was kind of doing me a favor of being with me. But mm-hmm. when you don't have like a sense of self-worth and your identity is kind of like tied to being with this person, like my life became about shifting and shaping to the person that he wanted me to be so I could fit inside this box and, and be with him. Like it was very important for me to be with him. I mean, 
the last couple of weeks I've had time to reflect on it, but that's the space that I was in at the time. So it wasn't like self worth wasn't wasn't a thing like for me initially. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was tied to him. So if I can change and be who he wants me to be and then he wants me, then everything is right in the world. And this is kind of like the space that I operated in, unfortunately. So it was a lot of stuff I ignored. And I also, because I was going through your post and I saw that you mentioned that your husband was the first male outside of your family to tell you that he loved you. So do you think at one point that you validated your self-worth from other people, especially men, since you wasn't receiving it from home? Yeah. I mean, I grew up without my dad. So, um, like, the issue started, like, really early for me. So, like, I grew up without my dad on top of being molested by um, by a male in my family. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was always kind of chasing worth and validation from, from men especially. And I also feel like I remember you being molested, too. Because I feel like when we was all growing up, we was kind of all, like, maybe it's the school we went to, but we was kind of, like, close in a sense. Yeah, I do miss the good old day. Like, Bellevue had us, like, kind of, like, tight-knit, and, you know, we moved yeah. outside. Bellevue got a little bit different, but we really were. And, yeah, like, I've shared it a, a few times. I don't think I actually started to get, like, help forward or, like, to dig into those issues until I was, like, 23, 24. Yeah, because I remember when I was just preparing for this interview, and I was just thinking about all the stuff we was doing as kids stuff, and I'm like, I remember certain things about her. Like, I remember your cousin, Crystal. <laughs> Like, I yeah. remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the events that led up to him leaving. So I know it always been your heart to be an entrepreneur, and I feel like I remember that as kids as well, too. Mm-hmm. So what was his thoughts on it? Um, He was, like, totally against it, which is, like, surprising. Like, at first, it seemed like he was, like, on board and then he had, like, his own experience with entrepreneurship uh, with Ava's budget. And it didn't work out the way that he wanted it to work out. It, um, it mm-hmm. was probably, like, eight months. I worked Ava's budget with him um, as his assistant manager. And he I, he kind of felt like there was a failure because he had to give it up. So I just kind of feel like somewhere in there he started to – it was either he was judging my experience – or what he thinks was going to be my experience based on his experience, or deep down, he didn't want me to see that he had failed. Mm. So what was the conversation like when you decided that you wanted to give entrepreneurship a shot? Um, <laughs> I try not to use a derogatory statement towards people, but he literally said to me, um, the only way that I could be supportive of, of your dreams is if we live separately. Yeah, I, I heard that. And why was that? <laughs> like, to me, like, I, I have, like, no clue. Like, even when I, like, say it out now, now, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So my first reaction was, well, we need to probably get into some counseling because I'm not understanding, like, where this is coming from. And he couldn't even explain it to me. I don't know if he couldn't or he wouldn't. But it was just, that's what it was. Because y'all are married. Yeah. And the <laughs> counselor would ask him. He would ask. He was like, I don't understand, like, where are you coming from this space? And even in counseling, our counselor would say, you're giving me a lot of fluff, but you're not really answering the question. Mm. So even with us going through counseling, I don't think he was actually there for help. I, looking back at it, I think he had already made up in his mind 
but he just kind of killed me on this string. He just kept kind of kept stringing me along. Do you think he was afraid of losing you since it does take so much time to um, invest in building a business, or do you think it was jealousy? Um, looking at it now, I feel like it is jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually gotten it from a lot of people who've been around us who said that they could, could spot his jealousy, um, make see that he was a little jealous of my spirit, like, or, or my light, is how some people put it. And I never saw that, like, being there because I was operating in a space of this is for me and my husband. I'm going to help, you know, we're going to build this life together and we're going to have these kids and we're going to lead generational wealth and blah, blah, blah. Like all this going on in my mind, it was never about me. It was about us. So I never saw that. Mm. So how was he the night before you left for your, your Vegas trip? Because you went to Vegas for a, a business trip. Yeah, so I went to Vegas for a week, and before leaving, like, me, we was kicking it, like, this is what's so funny to me, like, we was kicking it, one of our favorite dishes to eat together, crab legs, we had some crab legs, we supposed to have crab legs when I came back from, um, from Vegas, um, like, we watched movies every night together, um, talk, I thought we were talking honestly, obviously, yeah, I was the fool on that one. But just talking about our relationship, the last thing he said to me was, um, I don't want to lose you, and I want this to work. You know, I want my wife over there. For... So I'm leaving, like, feeling good, like, you know, aside from me later finding out he took my wedding ring. Um, mm. Aside from, like, my ring, like, not being where I left it, other than that, everything's, like, all good. Why did you leave your wedding ring? So I actually took my ring off to eat that Saturday. Um, oh. I don't like food. I don't like food getting in it. And then that Sunday, my ring wasn't on the table, and I kept telling him, "My spirit telling me you got my ring." I was like, "I don't know why you got my ring, but I want my ring or whatever." And when I came back, you know, the apartment being cleared and everything, he had left his ring, so now I know why he took it. Mm. So while you was away, how was he acting? Like were y'all texting? Yes, we were texting Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday evening, the texting stopped. And I think that's when he had started moving stuff then. But, like, all the text messages just kind of, like, stopped. And I started to get, like, this feeling in my stomach. You know how, like, you know something going on, but you don't really know what going on? Right. And, like, so from Tuesday night all the way up until I came back, like, my sister-in-law listened to me in the room crying. Like, I would go take a shower, and I'd just be in there crying. It's like, I don't know what's, like, what's going on. I'm trying to figure out, like, what I did. It's like, everything was just cool, you know, and then, like, all communication just stopped. And it turned out he had actually blocked my number. I think that is just so crazy to me. But I'm going to tell you why I think it's crazy. So, by this time you're coming home, your brother-in-law came and picked you up in the airport. Yeah. And remind y'all, he helped your husband move everything out. There's a story I got, and he, I mean, he knew. It's like I'm not even mad at him. Like, I wanted to be, and I'm mad at him because she's brother at the end of the day. And I don't know if my sister told me that she was going to do something, whether I tried to talk her out of it or not, she was going to do it, and I was going to be her keeper. So it's like I'm not even mad at him. But at the same time, it was like, hey, bro, you couldn't give me a heads up or what so I was So he didn't tell you or nothing? 
nothing. Like, I was like, you couldn't give me a heads up about what I was about to walk upstairs to, like, nothing. <laughs> like, so, it, yeah, that's, like, y'all in the car, he probably asking you about your trip. <laughs> you asking him how he doing. I mean, I spoke to him, I, um, um, you know, said his nickname or whatever. I spoke to him, got into the car. My sister-in-law was with us. Uh, so, you know, just her husband. So she was like, you know, asking him how he was doing and blah, 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 and stuff like that. And um, he dropped me off um, because I had I would have asked my husband to pick me up from the airport, uh, but he never responded. So his brother ended up dropping me off at the, um, at the house. And when I was, like, going upstairs, I couldn't get in the house at first. Um, Why? The code. So the code was changed. So I had to go downstairs and ask his friend. Because now I realize that he's blocked me at this point because I'm calling and he's going straight to voicemail. I was like, okay, that explains why he stopped asking my, answering my text messages and stuff like that. He's blocked me. So I was like, hey, can you ask your friend to give me the code for the door or whatever so I can get in? It was hot outside and stuff like that. I opened the door. I immediately like, started screaming and I called um, Swadu, which is my sister in law, or whatever. And I was like, this boy, this man has taken everything. Like everything is gone. Like the the apartment is like completely empty. Or whatever. I said, I don't think nothing has on my drill. Like I'm crying hysterically. Like I'm acting a fool on the phone, or whatever. And um, she's like asking him. Like she was like fussing at her husband, like in the background and stuff like that, or whatever. Like you couldn't tell. Like she was upset. So she just, didn't know either. Uh uh-uh, uh, it was a big mess. So we didn't know. Me and her. Right, because y'all was away. In Vegas together. Yeah. And I also thought it was kind of fucked up that the only thing that he did did leave besides your jewelry was the wedding dress. Yep, he left the wedding dress in the closet, and he left his his wedding band. Mm. He left his wedding band sitting over there on the pile of um, it was a little table that was in the living room. He left his wedding band sitting over there along with um, a card that I had gave him like the Valentine's Day or something like that like a couple of years ago. He left. So why would you say he left? Because I know that's like the million dollar question that everybody keeps asking you. And I, I guess everybody just can't believe that a man would just leave the way that he did. Well, um, <laughs> according to his Facebook post, he left the way that he left because he didn't want the police get involved. I didn't like that answer initially because I felt like he was trying to throw throw salt on my name or whatever or imply that like I would have gotten, you know, violent or something. But for the record, he's the only person who has the record. He's the only person who has who's had to go to court mandated um anger management. I haven't had to go through any of that. Like so I don't know what he thought was gonna happen in his mind, but he could have told me. Right. Like, I'm like, I, I mean, what am I going to do? Like, if you decided that you weren't going to be there, what am I going to do? But he could have, he could have told me. So, I mean, there was his reason. He saw opportunity, and he felt that was the best way to do, to do things. And since uh-uh. police has never been a factor, why we, like, why bring that up? <laughs> it's definitely kind of. I felt like it was kind of like a dig at me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you digging at me? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like. There's nothing. My husband is almost twice my size. Mm. What am I gonna do to him? And I know you kept saying that cheating wasn't a factor that you know of. Yeah, like as far as I know, he wasn't uh, cheating. 
Um, but I can't tell you where he is. I can't tell you where he's living. He could he could very well be living with somebody um, else. He could very well be living with a with a mother. Like I don't know. Like I don't know where he is. Because y'all haven't spoken at all. He unblocked me long enough on uh, was it this past maybe Monday? He unblocked me long enough to message me on Facebook to say that he was sorry for hurting me, and I went ahead and blocked him right back. Yeah, that's crazy. So what's next, or is it too soon to say? Because how do you come back from this? <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as relationships go, uh, I'm going to need a break. I'm going to need a long yeah. break, actually. Um, <laughs> and um, I think I'm just kind of looking at it as an opportunity to do, I will say that I, when you ask God for a sign, sometimes sometimes Girl. you take his time and sometimes he slap you right in your face. Hard as hell, too, child. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> this was one of those times I got slapped in the face, and um, I feel like it's my opportunity to really um focus on the things that's important to me, and um, um, really date and court myself, and like get to know the things that you know I like to love about myself because I've always kind of allowed somebody else to dictate that. Um, Which I'm just so surprised because I always thought, like, like I said, I always remember you just being so confident, like, and I get it, like, because I have my insecurities as well, but I just remember you just being like, like, I don't know, I guess this may sound a little weird because we we were kids, but you just always were so sultry and like you wore certain things, like, I don't know, like you were just like a a, a little diva. (laughs) See, and I think that's kind of like where I'm getting back to. Like, uh, when I before I got into like him, like real heavy, like I did have like at least some confidence. I did have a sense of confidence. Like I had a sense of like you know things that made me happy or feel good and stuff like that. And then sometimes when you get involved with like the wrong person, they can suck all the light out of you. Like, I've literally had people tell me I can always tell when you went back to him because you're it's like you would shrink. Mm. And, like, I kind of spent a long time, like, in that space. It's like I couldn't get too big. I couldn't be too animated. I couldn't be, you know, too this or that or whatever because it would bother him. And why I stay looking at it now every day, like, why I stay with a man, it bothered him. Like, my laugh bothered him. Like, me being too happy about something bothered him. Like, so I was always shrinking. And why I stay just, you know, you, when, you, when you know better, you do better. I know better now. All right. So what is the one thing that you would take away, not from this situation, but overall this relationship? Um, if it's, if it's going to cost me my peace, then it's too expensive. Mm, that's a fact, child. I almost said your name, child. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. If it's going to cost me my peace, I don't want it. Yeah. Marriage and all that, like, I'm not going to, you know, I just have been against marriage. I absolutely love being a wife. So when it's done right, it's absolutely a beautiful thing. But I would tell any woman, like, don't rush to, to get to the altar. Don't be looking at, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be 35 and I'm not married. So what, man? Take that freedom. Like, being married ain't all this cash to be at times. So I know that recently. Yeah, that's a fact. Because I think marriage is a beautiful um, union, it's a beautiful thing, but it got to be with the right person. Yep. Good. That's, that's for sure. So I know recently that you became a self-love, self-love coach. So can you tell us about that journey? Yeah. So um, the course itself was um, about, it was six months. And this is just me 
kind of tapping into, I ask God to kind of reveal to me, like, what my uh, what my purpose is here on this earth, and um, it's kind of revealed to me this course, and a six-month journey, um, every single day, going over different tools and modalities to kind of tap, tap into, like, my natural gifts already, but also the the foundation of the course teaches, like, me as the, um, as the coach, you know, self-love and how to get to their place of, you know, appreciation. That way I can help other women along the journey. Um, and it was definitely, uh, I think it was probably a, one of the um, the nails in the coffin as well because I was starting to come into my own and kind of feel more confident and kind of get back to my light and those things that uh, make me special or I feel like make me special. Um, and the course just kind of did it for me. And then I was just kind of like, this is where I want to go, like, with my career. Because there's so many of us who are, like, struggling with, like, you know, so, so many of us have different traumas we've been through sexually or otherwise. So many of us, like, you know, doubt our importance in this world. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to help women, like, get back to their life. Because we really spend, unfortunately, the world is cruel to women. And we spend so much of our lives, like, fighting to just be, to just be, right? To just be ourselves. And I just kind of wanted to help women with their journey. And I read on your one of your posts that you said that you grew up in a trauma-filled single-parent household. And I just knew exactly what you meant because I did as well. So can you talk more about that? And the reason why I'm asking is because I know at times from our childhood, things will show up in our adulthood and we sometimes overlook it because it's familiar. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I grew up, like, so my mom was actually uh, molested uh, by one of her her mother's boyfriends, and, uh, like, my, my grandma, unfortunately, actually took her boyfriend's side and put my mom out, so my mom had me real young, my mom had me, she got pregnant at 15, had me at 16, then I was molested young, um, and then, Wait, like, you was a, not to cut you off, but you was, um, the person who molested her, that's not your dad, is that your dad? No, no. no. Oh, okay, okay. Uh-uh. My um my dad like actually went off to the um uh, to the military when he was like he was a uh, two years older than my mom so he was seventeen and he went out to the military and stuff. Um, but like I kind of like I was molested at five and then from there it like kind of like started this vicious cycle. My mom also had me young, so she was very uh very hands on. Like now I'm not saying anything about the way my mom raised me. She did the best she could. Like my yeah. mom beat the hell my mom beat the hell out of you. If you breathe the wrong way, like, especially when I was younger, like, she'd beat the hell out of you. I was called all kinds of names. I was told I was a mistake, like, from very, very early. Like, um, this is the stuff that we grow up in. And um, because it happens to our parents, they think that, you know, they feel like that they're okay. And so we'll turn out all right, mm-hmm. or whatever. But, like, I mean, again, punched in the face was nothing. Getting beat yeah. with the cord, like it was nothing. I don't know if you remember, but it was times I came to school, it was hot as hell outside, and I have on long sleeves. Yeah. My arms and stuff was whipped, was whipped up so bad, and she would she would say, "I dare you to show somebody at school. I dare somebody to contact me." Mm-hmm. Like so, this like chaos I grew up, you know, grew up in, and because she was growing up with me too, right? She had me like really young, so it was just that com- combined with like. Man, you, your self-worth gets ruined very, very early. And I didn't realize, like, why I was so angry, especially, like, in my 20s, until I started going to counseling. Mm-hmm. And I can remember my first counseling session where I just, I mean, I think I just healed everything. 
and she gave me the biggest hug. She said, baby, you've been carrying this all this time. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to me. <sighs> yeah, I definitely, listen, child, I got some stories. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when people see people like us, they don't think that we've been through things. I remember going to school with a busted lip. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I, I definitely understand. So I know your mom passed away now. So how did y'all, did y'all move forward? Like, did you forgive her or did y'all have a conversation? Did she apologize? Unfortunately, we never got to have the conversation that I wanted to have before she passed away. But I was able to work through it um, in counseling. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was just hard work. I had to do it on my own. You can't, it kind of becomes like double work when you don't it's have It's a lot of work. Yeah. When you don't have the other person there to kind of, you know, tell what you want to tell them, stuff like that. But I really made my peace with it, knowing that she really did the best that she could with the tools that um, that she was given. And unfortunately, you can't, I mean, if you don't know better, then you don't do better. And that's what she knew, like, growing up, and that's what happened. Um, I know I forgive her at the end of the day. Right. I feel like we were all going through mad shit growing up. But I feel like yeah. going to school was like an escape for us. It really was. It was a time we got to be like silly and like, you know, play make-believe and like tell each other like all the stuff we probably could talk about at home. We got to laugh. We got to kick it. I know we, uh, Crystal and Mikhail and with Jamie and Monica, we two busy being the goddesses and the divas and crap. Yes, <laughs> yes, the goddesses and the divas. That was their little posse game in school, y'all. <laughs> yes, oh my God, what a memory. <laughs> so that was our escape. And I can remember even with like Harrison, I feel like Harrison was going through a thing with you too, but like, when it came to dressing and styling, like, I knew that was always going to be in the boy's background. But, like, cause he was so gifted at such a young age. I remember when we were in high school, he had, like, with two jobs. Like, he's always yeah. worked his butt off. Like, there was our escape. So, we were, like, these, we should have been children, but we were kind of, like, these grown-ups in, in so, so many ways. And we were just pushing to survive and get together. Yeah, I agree, man. I I remember one memory. I don't know if you, I feel like he was in the hallway with, with us. And that's one thing I can say. And I definitely want to get more into teaching and giving back to like different um, inner city schools and HBCUs. Because we had some good ass teachers, man. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace mm-hmm. to Miss Dowell. We had some. Yes. <laughs> we had some excellent teachers, man. We really did. And I wish that we had the language to articulate the things that we was going through at home. Because if only yeah. they knew, I really do think that they would have did the right thing by us. I do too. Right. So what would you say that your mom taught you about self-love? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the very end, I can rem- remember her saying, no matter what she said or anybody else said, she said there's something special about you, but it's going to take for you to re- realize that like none of us can do that for you. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of at this age now, you know, being 34, it's like I finally, like I finally get that. It took mm-hmm. a while to get here, but man, no, it takes time. Yeah, but I'm glad I finally got here because some people don't. Like some people never get to like the realization of realizing what's special about them. Mm-hmm. 
So I know so, that you want kids soon. So what would you teach your kids about self-love now that you are a self-love coach? I know. I teach them from the very beginning. Like, like they're beautifully and wonderfully made. Like, they're perfect. Like, I already have, like, this. this it's a little bit weird, but I already have this um, talk in my mind. Like, I want boys. I always say I'm the mother of boys. Mm-hmm. And um, I always, um, I've been practicing, like, mentally. You know, hey, little one. You're beautiful, little one. You're perfect just the way you are. I love you just the way you are. Like, from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet, you're absolutely perfect. There's nothing that needs to be changed in between. Like, so, like, I practice this, like, every day. Like, I want to speak life into our kids because it really does start at kids. Like, if you can speak life into a child and they know that very early, they don't have to spend the rest of their life trying to figure out, like, who they are. They can just do whatever it is they were meant to do you know, to do while they're here. Mm-hmm. So many of us have the disadvantage. We spend our life trying to discover what's special about us, and then we get to the actual living and doing what, you know, what we were put here for, um, for. But if we could skip that whole part, then there's more time that we get to do and bring the joy to people's lives that they're supposed to bring while we're here on, you know, on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. So do you plan on going to therapy for this situation? Oh, yeah. No, I believe in therapy 100%. Uh, so I, I already have a therapist. I have a therapist. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I always keep a therapist, actually. Me too. Yep. I love my therapist. I haven't been to her in a while because I think I'm I'm doing pretty decent with handling stuff and not putting my hands on people. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a good space. Good. Well, I just want to say that I'm super proud of you. Um, I feel like you've been receiving a lot of support, a lot of positive feedback, love and light. So I definitely feel like, because I feel like people have been like sending you um, love donations. I think somebody mm-hmm. get, was going to get you a mattress or something. Yeah, Ooh. she did. Miss um, uh, Michelle, uh, I got a new mattress sitting here. It came like uh, last week. Yeah, like I feel like you really been surrounded by love so that speaks a lot about your character so I hope that this situation will make you feel closer to the little girl that I know yeah that was always confident and sure of herself and that you never forget when you go through another valley in life yeah and if I have any questions of course I told you it was gonna be fun child she was a little nervous (laughs) y'all I'm like I remember her being talkative like, don't be hesitant now. Yeah. <laughs> well, if y'all have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you want to get to know my guests a little bit more, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone, later. Later. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic. And at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.